Our gospel lesson today comes from John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. A Samaritan woman came, in, came can I start over? Um, um, should I say what the verses are since it's two sections? Huh? But then when I get to 11, do I stop and say, and resuming at verse 27? Okay. All right, that's why I was distracted. All right, I'm ready. Our scripture lesson today comes from John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And then picking up at verse 27. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Reverend Howard Thurman wrote a book of meditations back in the 1950s that reads like it was written for our day and time. One of the meditations raises this question. Is your life a reservoir, a canal, or a swamp? The purpose of a canal is to channel water from one place to the other. The function of a reservoir is to be like a holding tank to hold water until it is needed at some time in the future. And a swamp simply holds water because the water never ever flows out of it, and so it eventually becomes stale. Now, if your life is a canal, you are adept at connecting other people through your friendliness. You make it your goal to move things along, to help people get what they need in order to thrive in this life. And if you are a person who is a reservoir, you may take the gifts that God has poured into your life and hold on to them for future use. But when someone needs something, you're there ready to assist. And then the outlet opens up to resource the community around you. But if you're a swamp, you may find yourself always longing and wanting more, hoarding the good gifts of life until they soon begin to decay and rot. Now, I love this image because it suggests that all of us have gifts of life flowing into our daily existence, and all of us have the opportunity to share the outflow of the good gifts of life with those around us. Life is not so much fixed as it is this ebb and flow, and we are only partially in charge of how this flow goes. Today's scripture lesson takes place not at a reservoir or a swamp or a canal, but it does take place at a water source. Today, we hear the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. 
Jesus and this unnamed woman engage in a holy conversation. Do you know what I mean by a holy conversation? But by this, I mean one of those conversations that changes you forever. I remember when I was in the sixth grade, I had ridden my bike up to the church to help stuff envelopes. I was sitting in the office of Jim Wright, who was the church's business administrator. He was such a funny guy, so fun-loving, so jovial, always joking around with the kids in the youth group. And so while we were sitting in his office, in the business office, stuffing envelopes, he said to me in a more serious tone of voice, Have you ever thought about becoming a minister, Carla? I looked at him and said, Well, no, I had never really thought of anything like that. But I could never unhear his question. It hung there in midair for a very long time, for years. I couldn't look at life and career and future in the same way anymore. I had to consider, at least, the question. Holy conversations happen in lots of places. They happen in hospice units when a family member speaks the words he's held on to for years but never found the strength to utter. Holy conversations unfold sometimes in marriages when a partner says, um, well, there's something I've been wanting to say to you for some time. I think... I think our relationship needs, well, like a reset. Holy conversations happen here in the hallways of the church when a neighbor wanders in and says, um, I'm, I'm looking for the AA meeting. It's my first time. Can you tell me the room number? In John chapter 4, Jesus has a holy conversation with the woman at the well. It's the longest conversation that Jesus has with anyone in the entire Bible. Longer than he converses with any of his family members. Longer than he converses with any of his accusers, the ones who will send him to the cross. Longer than he converses with any single one of his disciples. In fact, it's such a long conversation that I cut out part of it for this morning's scripture reading. So let me briefly fill you in on the part we skipped. Jesus and the woman at the well talk about history and theology because historically Jews like Jesus and Samaritan people like this woman would have different holy sites where they would go to worship at the temple. And so they they talk theology and history. Where is the one true God? Where shall we gather for worship? And And then they move to current events and they talk about the political dynamics of the day Why is it that Samaritans and Jews are on opposite ends of the political tension in society? Why is it that women and men are not supposed to fraternize at the well? They talk about spiritual symbols, about this living water, living water that nourishes the soul, and not just the drinking water in the bucket that they've come to gather to quench their thirst. They talk about the future, about hope, about what it means to think about salvation in the future. Where will God be found? Where is God leading them? And then they turn to a subject that seems completely off limits, completely taboo. 
the woman's own personal life. Jesus asked her to go. Get your husband, he says, uh, but, but I, I, I have no husband. And then Jesus begins to tell her about the secrets of her own life. Yes, he says, you were right in saying you have no husband. You have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. Throughout history, many have assumed that the woman's secrets include immoral and scandalous behavior. But John's gospel never says that. It's equally possible that this woman at the well has been married five times because the ancient custom was that when her husband died, his brother would step in to marry the surviving spouse. Or it's quite possible that her husbands in the past have each divorced her without cause because that is completely permissible by law. All we know for sure from the text is that she has had five husbands and that that no doubt means that there has been a history of pain and sadness in her past. Not once in this long conversation she shares with Jesus on that day as they're filling their buckets at the well, does Jesus step in and tell her, lady, get your act together. Not once does he tell her, stop this sinning. Not once does he say to her, you should repent and ask God for forgiveness. Instead, this long, holy conversation unfolds with genuine honesty and deep, deep listening. It's one of those rare conversations that changes life forever. A few years back, I met Will Brown. Will was about 80 years old when I met him. He had retired as a pediatrician in New York City and recently moved to Hawaii. But Will regaled me with stories of growing up at Country Club Christian Church. He even broke into song, reciting word for word the lyrics of the songs he performed with the Cherubim Choir when he was a little boy walking to church here in the neighborhood. He recalled with deep fondness his Sunday school teacher, Carl Bolte. He talked about his scoutmaster here in the church and his youth group leaders and the kids he had grown up with and how pivotal this church had been in his coming to faith and following Christ. Last month, when Dave and I were on vacation in Hawaii, we got to spend an afternoon with Will. Over a glass of iced tea, Will told me about a holy conversation that he had with his dad, who had been one of the leading elders in our congregation. Will said that when the conversation took place, he was 49 years old. His dad showed up in New York City unannounced and knocked on the door of his apartment. His dad had flown in from Kansas City and was holding in his hand a letter written to him by Will's wife. Is this true, Will? Will took the letter from his dad's hands. He, looked, he read it. He said, yes, Dad, it is true. Yes, we are getting a divorce. And yes, Dad, it is because I am gay. Will said his dad looked at him, and he shook the letter. And he said, son, I don't like this, and I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I want you to know 
You are my son. You have always been my son, and you will always be my son. I love you. I love you. This doesn't change my love. Nothing, my son, nothing could change my love for you. Will and his dad remained best friends. And with a crack in his voice, Will said to me, I miss him. I miss him every day. During the pandemic, some folks began to have holy conversation with God. We were broken open to reveal the truth of our lives to the one who loves us without reservation. We began to say things like, maybe I don't need to work such long hours. I, I, I think I'd like to spend a lot more of my time with the people I love, with my friends, with my family. My faith journey, it's kind of gotten lost, and I'd like to reclaim it. In today's holy conversation with Jesus, the woman at the well is broken open. Jesus breaks through her boundaries to talk honestly with her about what is really unfolding in her soul. He listens with compassion, not with judgment, only with love. The woman is absolutely stunned. She must have forgotten why she even came to the well at all because she suddenly drops her water jug and she runs off. She goes back into the city and she tells all of her friends and neighbors, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. And then she adds, he can't be the Messiah, can he? By listening to her story, by engaging with her in that holy conversation, the woman at the well learns that God loves her, God understands her, God embraces her exactly as she is. Barbara Brown Taylor puts it this way, by telling the woman who she is, Jesus shows her who he is. By confirming her true identity, he reveals his own, and that is how it still happens. The Messiah is the one in whose presence you know who you really are. The good, the bad, all of it. The woman runs into town with joy in her step to share the good news of her faith in this one who knows all her secrets and loves her still. She cannot do anything else now except run and share the joyful good news of this amazing love. And so she shouts it, the good news. God comes to us to engage in holy conversation, to listen deeply to the truth of our lives, and to embrace each and every one of us with the unconditional love of God. God listens. God understands. God loves us exactly as we are right now, secrets and all. Fifty years ago, Julianne was the sole survivor of a plane crash in the Amazon rainforest. On Christmas Eve, 17-year-old Julianne and her mother were flying with 84 other passengers on a one-hour flight when a storm sent their plane plummeting. Julianne fell two miles through the air and landed still buckled into her seat on the treetops. 
for 11 days, she traveled through the snakes, the stingrays, the bees, the mosquitoes, and all the other dangers of the rainforest. And during that 11-day trek through the jungle, Julianne vowed that if she stayed alive, she would devote her life to a meaningful cause that would serve both nature and humanity. And that holy conversation in the jungle where she was broken open to new life turned out to be pivotal because Julianne became a leading research zoologist who accomplished enormous scientific and philanthropic and educational miracles to preserve God's great creation. Like the woman at the well, she became a reservoir or a canal for God's amazing goodness and love. <laughs>